In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Thursday. It's Thursday, everybody. We're so close to the weekend. We're so close, man. We're like at the one checkpoint away. Prepare to qualify. How you guys feeling out there? You guys feeling good? Another day and the next day of your... Today is the next day of your dream life. I don't know. What the hell does that even mean? Today is the next day in your life. That sounds a little bit more on point, right? I guess that's at least honest. So I've been doing a lot more thinking about social engineering. And I want I want everybody to read these books. I want people to read the book Propaganda by Edward Bernays. I want people to read the book Never Split the Difference by Voss. I want people to read the book Nudge by Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler. I want people to read the book Persuasion by Caldini. Only after reading these books can you truly understand the dangerous beauty of propaganda. Only after truly understanding the mechanisms of action in which we truly think about things can you begin to manipulate things. And if you're listening to this podcast, I, I gotta think that you share a curiosity and a, a unique affinity for manipulation. Especially once you realize you've been being manipulated your whole life. What you think about God, what you think about family, what you think about race, what you think about 
school and education and family and gender and orientation. Like, these are only the rare few people who take time to go through the books and go through the annals of history can truly understand the level of manipulation that's happening. And I don't really claim to be one of those people. I'm, I'm learning just like everybody else. I got to tell you though, there's times where the more time you start reading these books and then you just get blindsided, like blindsided by something that happens and it's, man, it makes you want to cry almost. Like you can see the systematic destruction of our society happening right in front of our eyes. And I don't know if it's something that's been planned or if it's just the fact that the social engineers got lazy or if, you know, maybe it's the, it's like in the Quran, instead of, you know, the Sunni-Shia split, right? The reason those two groups fight each other is because one group believes that the direct descendant of Muhammad should have been the leader and the other group believes that the Muhammad's number one confidant should have been the leader. And the reason I bring that up is the people in charge of power today, instead of handing off the torch to the most capable people of being in charge, they handed it off to their family. And I get it. I got a family. I mean, who doesn't want their family to be better? And I guess that that's that kind of brings up a... That brings up a... An interesting point. Are you going to hand it off to your kid or are you going to hand it off to the person that can move the ball forward? I don't think anybody really knows until you get to that point where you have to decide. So, But the propaganda is... Uh, I want to... I want to try and be the guy that pulls back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz. Remember that movie? The Wizard of Oz, all powerful, can do anything. But when you pull back the curtain, it's like a little short Rumpelstiltskin that's greedy and selfish and ugly. And has just been corrupted by power, greed. And I think you can do, I think that now more than ever, it's easier to see the people driving the wedge between us. It's important to think about over the last year or couple years, the powers or the media, let's just say the media the propagandists, the media, how they've been fanning the flames of divisive tools like racism, group identity, inequality. I'm not saying those don't exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. What I'm saying is that by the media constantly talking about it and constantly putting a huge spotlight on cases where it happens, it makes both groups the group in question and the other groups, whether they be perpetrators or victims, it makes those two groups at odds and it makes both groups easily manipulatable. Does that make sense? The purpose of the media is not to inform you. 
It is to control the way you think. It's an invisible... The purpose of propaganda is to be an invisible government that forms your thoughts, it forms your tastes, and it forms your worldview. Right? Think about it. So many of us are so busy. we got families. We have problems in relationships. We have problems with money. We have problems with work. We have problems with communication. You know, we, we rely on these so-called experts to keep us informed. But what if the experts don't want you to see the truth? What if they want to show you a certain mythological view? And you could, you could argue the point that every country has a skewed view to further represent their country and their people and their values. And on some level, that's obviously true. However, as of lately, I think everyone, regardless of your race, could agree that the level of division between us right now is immense. What is the reason for that? Is it because there's no money? Is it because the policies that have been enacted are not working? Is it the false promise of tech? If you, if you talk to Peter Thiel, that's what he'll tell you. Well, I don't know if he'd tell you that, but you can watch some videos where he talks, albeit somewhat cryptically, about problems of today's economy is that there is a huge stagnation in technology. There's been no new ideas. And you may think, well, I don't know, George. I got a this new iPhone and I got a... There's this new silicone chip in my computer and... It's a lot faster. <clears throat> yeah, it's still a computer. It's smaller. What does it do, though? If you walked into a room in 2020 and you took out all the, all the screens, iPad, computer, phone, that room would be almost indistinguishable from a room in 1950. So we've, there's this one idea is that there is this concerted effort to, to keep people fighting so that they don't see how much we've been lied to. Remember the Jetsons? Meet George Jetson, his boy Elroy, Jane, his wife, do, 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 do. Remember they lived in the Sky Pad apartments, up in the... They were like Landau Calrissian, remember in Sky City? The Jetsons had flying cars. We don't even have self-driving cars. Remember that? Five years ago, ten years ago, oh no, everyone's gonna be automated out of work. There's no jobs for you. All the all the fast food workers, man, you're gonna have Flippy the robot arm making your burgers. Where's that? I don't see it. I wrote an article yesterday that talked about the you know, the uh, digital arm that makes hamburgers? You know how much that piece of shit costs? That fucking thing costs like eight grand and then a $1,500 a month service fee. <laughs> Think about that. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that's going to replace a 40-year-old migrant worker who is willing to work for peanuts 
and come in every day and never call in sick. I'm not sure that that arm, that $1,500 service fee, you know, where, oh, we, oh, sorry about that. We had a new uh, software crash. Or, oh, you know what? We got, a, we got some problem. We've been hacked. <clears throat> I'm not sure that that promise of automation is going to pan out. In fact, we've been automating stuff for 200 years. We haven't, auto, we haven't automated away teachers. We haven't automated away service jobs. So if you, you know, if you like a fingernail through cold grease, you can easily wipe away the fucking bullshit about automation. It ain't coming. It ain't coming. Right? All this bullshit about fucking, oh man, the new economy, the gig economy. Nope. It ain't here. And that's what I think a lot of the propaganda is being used for is that Hey, guess what? There's no growth. And what, you know, <clears throat> I'm not saying growth is, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not saying growth is the catch-all that helps or is the answer. But I know this, when everybody's making money, there's a lot less problems. Right? When everybody's got a little bit, we don't fight amongst ourselves. But when there's no money, all of a sudden, the lines of division are drawn. And I think, you know, it, I think that the people on the top are scared out of their minds because they know they're going to be the first ones to fall. Just the term bankster, everybody knows what that means. Who are the people that run the media? Who are they? Are they overrepresented? Is there a certain group that runs the media? Is there a certain group that owns the sports teams? I don't know. But I I think that the media right now is having a difficult time trying to spin the anger in a fashion that helps them. Because if you pay attention to what's being said, You can see that the, the anger is focused on the people at top. <clears throat> I mean, there's there are some things that all communities in the United States agree on, and we don't ever talk about that. Right? We don't ever talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about that. You know, I, I like uh, <clears throat> there's some I really like some of Jordan Peterson stuff about 12 rules for life and I like some of his stuff but there's areas where that guy won't even touch and then it just kind of brings into question his whole tell yourself the truth I don't want to get too much into that but you should look into it <laughs> another thing to think about that I've been thinking about is is our, how sick is our society? Like, right, right, like, you could argue we've been declining for some time. You could argue it's the stagnation. You could argue it's no growth. You could argue that it is the, uh, the fact that so many of us, part- we don't participate 
in life. Instead, we we spectate. Right? Like, man, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Some of you are going to get mad at this, but <clears throat> I like sports. You know, I, I, go to a, I used to go to a Padre game, go to a Chargers game. I got a, uh, I got a Doug Flutie jersey. But as a, come on, man. As a man, you're going to put on another man's jersey? Really? You're going to, you, as a man, you're going to wear the jersey of another man? Why don't you be your own man? I, you know, if you're a kid or whatever, man, you got an idol, I get it. You know, when I was in high school, I, was, I used to wrestle, right? I got a letterman's jacket. You know who wore my letterman's jacket? My girl. My girl wore my letterman's jacket. It was like a point of pride. Like, this is my man right here. <clears throat> the reason I bring all that up is we're so involved in spectator. Like, there's a term called spectator sports. The hell is that? You're a professional spectator. The armchair quarterback. Hey, let's quit watching and start playing. You know what I mean by that? I get it. Like, sometimes the monotony of the world and the bullshit you gotta go through, you just wanna have a beer and watch a game or just take a few minutes to decompress and not be part of the world around you because it's so chaotic and you just need a break. I get it. <clears throat> I'm not against I'm not against that kind of stuff. You know, I, I like I like watching boxing and I like you I used to watch the UFC. I don't really watch it too much anymore since ESPN took it over. But and it's not that those things are toxic. It's the it's the it's the fact that we've gone from doing to spectating. You know what I mean by that? <clears throat> it's bread and circus. Bread and circus. And if you look at the Roman Empire, you can see that they've implemented the Colosseum and bread and circus when they were on their downswing. In fact, remember Caligula? He was the Roman emperor and he was just, he was demented in that. He was demented by excess. Nothing exceeds like excess, right? But he had the boat with all like, just the perversions and the, the he, he was to the, Caligula was to the Romans what Jeffrey Epstein is to us. And the fact that you can draw such a similar parallel, I think speaks to the fact that we are in a similar time. Most people see the United States as that, as the title, the United States. But the United States is an empire. We have bases all around the world. And when you look at it like that, if you just look at it from the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and the United States, the foreign policy makes zero sense. But if you look at the United States as an empire in which all the countries pay our politicians to make decisions on their behalf, it begins to make sense. Oh, I see why we're over there. 
because this country wants us to kill these people. Oh, they give us money, so we give them arms. Oh, I see. We we want to secure the natural resources of that country for our business and our friends and business in other countries. And us as us as the citizens of America, all that's being done in our name and all of that is while widely available to read and learn about, it's discouraged to learn about. Why would you want to why would you want to learn about that when you can watch the playoffs? Why would you want to think about how we currently have secured one third of Syria? America, we, America, us, we own one third of Syria right now. Why would you want to start thinking about that kind of garbage when you can you know, watch a football game? It's hard, like it's, it's hard to pay attention to that stuff. It's difficult to, to have any idea about that kind of stuff when you're worried about your kids or you're worried about your relationships or you're worried about doing the right thing. However, if we don't worry about it, you know, we get we get what we deserve. We get what we deserve. And so it's in this spirit that I I'm picking up the mantle of social engineering and going to try and drive some of these points home so that on one level we can understand what's happening to us. Right. Once you understand the magic trick, you no longer want to see it because you realize it's a con. Also, because the same techniques that work for the people at the top, they work for the people on the bottom. And I think right now we are in a time where... The people in your community need the most help. And that's where you can make the most difference. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're a young woman in a position of authority. Maybe you're a young man in a position of authority. Maybe you are... Maybe you are someone who can be a role model. And it seems to me we're in that transition right now. Like, there's so many smart and intelligent young people who are taking up the mantle of leadership. And I'm worried that those people are going to be corrupted by the the tools used by the previous set of so-called leaders. That's one reason I want to talk so much about community and leadership and doing the right thing. A lot of us have kids. A lot of us have a lot of experience in behavior. And I've read a lot of books on behavior. And I was lucky enough to be in multiple mentorship programs where I learned how to manipulate those levers of behavior. And I want to share them with people so that they can use those same tools that I have for what I hope will be best for the community so in that spirit let me start off 
a little bit about you guys know who Sun Tzu is? Sun Tzu was a military strategist. And he wrote a book called uh, I think it was Von Clausewitz who wrote On War. Man, I forgot. I'll, I'll, I'm killing myself because I should know what Sun Tzu's book is. However, one quote from Sun Tzu is the best way to lose any war is to let the enemy dictate the rules of battle. The best way to lose any war is to let the enemy decide where the war is fought. It's pretty deep. But let me show you how you can use that in your everyday life. If you're an individual, let's say you let's say you work somewhere and you you are a part of a group however as an employee you do not have the authority the same authority that the employer has right and on a one-on-one situation if your employer comes to you the employee and says listen I'd like to talk to you for a minute you see and they they take you to a corner or they they isolate you and talk to you you see they've dictated the rules of the battlefield you no longer have a strong position there you might as well be in the valley and they're looking down at you or you might as well have your hands tied behind your back and laying on the ground and then looking over you it's all metaphors so if you want to affect change and you are in that position what you would want to do you would want to have 20 people and if the employer wanted to talk to you you would be in a group setting because in the group setting that's where you're the strongest does that make sense because now instead of that one person looking at you now that one person is looking at 20 of you Right, and that now that person now that person is effectively in the valley and you've surrounded them. That's why word that's why that's why people in positions of authority try to isolate individuals from the group because they know that one person in the group can be very dangerous. The one person that truly understands the mechanism of behavior, he can institute a revolution, he can institute an entire changing of group behavior with a few keywords. He can institute a whole radical change by understanding the thoughts and motivations of both parties. And there's a lot of different propaganda tools that are used to make Groups or people seem a certain way. You know, if you show over and over again a white cop on top of a person of color and you put that through, you show that a lot, well, that's a message of racism. They're not saying 
that white people are racist. But they're showing you an example of a racist behavior which puts in the mind of other people, yeah, that's racist. And that message is a racist message. It's kind of like, let's say that someone, an authority figure, let's say that an authority figure was giving a speech to a group of people. Like, so there's one executive or one person in charge and they're speaking to a group of say a hundred people and they're giving their speech and then one person from the audience says, excuse me, sir, there is a rumor going around that you hate people of color. Could you address that? You see, that one individual who made that comment, he has made the implicit argument that you are a racist. And now you have to defend yourself against this hundred people. Even if you didn't... See, the way that that was worded, there's a rumor going around. That individual has now given himself plausible deniability while turning the entire group against the guy in the middle. And in fact... A move like that could irreversibly undermine the very credibility of the so-called executive. Because even though the individual who made that statement didn't call him racist, he has put the idea of racism in the mind of everybody there. Especially if people don't like that guy already. Something like that has the ability to change the behavior and have large-scale ramifications of the group. Right? It's a. Of course, I would never do anything like that. Not me. I would never do that. However, it's the same tactic as what the media kind of does. And it's a very sinister way of communicating division. I'm not saying some people don't. I mean. You know, revolutions happen and, and countries dissolve and governments get overthrown. These are the tools of the provocateur. Painting a picture in the mind of the masses is easy for an artist. Painting a picture in the mind of the masses is a unique way of changing people's world's view. And you can do it. You should use your power for good. You should practice it. You should learn to understand people's motivations so that you can better maneuver yourself in the world and make your community better. The art of influence, the art of subversion is something that should be subtle. Like a light rain or a, a gentle, consistent layer of snow that slowly saturates the ground to the point where the ground can no longer absorb any more water. You don't notice the drizzle. At first, you may notice the small snowfall, but there's something beautiful about it, right? You see, that is the art of persuasion. It doesn't need to be in your face. It doesn't need to be a knee on the neck. 
In fact, that type of persuasion, that type of that type of communicating what you want people to do is amateur. And it shows a level of panic. When people result to propaganda in that way, it's either that they're horrible propagandists or they're scared and panicking. And I think that the people on the bottom, I think people that get up and go to work every day, I think people that are teachers, I think people that are mentors, I think people that are leaders, they need to understand the way that they're being manipulated. In a society that is sick, the person who appears normal is the sickest. Does that make sense? If we are in this society and our society is is ill, our society is sick, those who appear to be most normal are in fact the sickest. They're showing the most symptoms. The society's not well, the people adjusted to it are the, are the least well. Does that make sense? I'm gonna have a little shot of water here. <clears throat> you know, I, um, <clears throat> there's a book called, uh, it comes out every year. I think it comes out every year. It's called the DSM. And the DSM is a book written by psychologists that goes over mental disease. And every year, you know, they have like some new mental diseases in there. Sometimes they take away mental diseases. And it's a, it's a kind of an expensive book. It's like probably a hundred bucks, but you can pick up the old ones for next to nothing. And I recommend doing that. Uh, I think it's the DSM-5. I think, I think the DSM-5, it might be DSM-5 or DSM-4, but that was the last year that gender dysphoria was a disease. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I just want you to think about that. There is a book of mental diseases written by psychologists who nobody knows their names that tells the world what mental diseases are. That is a profound form of social engineering. Profound. Hey, here's this book of experts that tells you what's okay and what's not okay to think about. What the fuck is that? Hey, this person has a mental disease. They have a gender dysphoria. Okay, you know what? Actually, gender dysphoria is not a disease anymore. Like on one level, it fucking kind of makes me envious. Like imagine sitting around with a group of your friends being like, you know what? We should decide who are the people that are fucked up in this world and then we'll write some some uh, bullshit summary on why they think that way and then we can uh, classify them and, you know, disparage them or put them in mental institutes because they think a certain way. That's the very definition of thought police, right? I mean, there's the old, that age-old quote... Whoever goes to a psychologist ought to have their head examined. <laughs> you know what I mean?
so those are those are some of the thoughts I've had on the social engineering of our nation and, and you know organizing chaos and if I can I'd like to read to you just a little bit about propaganda and this is from Edward Bernays book propaganda the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country we are governed our minds molded our tastes formed our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of this is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. Our invisible, our invisible governors are, in many cases, unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the inner cabinet. They govern us by their qualities of natural leadership, their ability to supply needed ideas, and by their key positions in the social structure. Whatever attitude one chooses toward this condition, it remains a fact that in almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons, a trifling fraction of our 120 million, who understand the mental processes of social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires, which control the public mind, who harness old social forces and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. In theory, every citizen makes up his mind on public questions and matters of private conduct. In theory. In theory. In theory. In theory. In theory. In theory, every citizen makes up his mind on public questions and matters of private conduct. In practice, if all men had to study for themselves the abstruse economic, political, and ethical data involved in every question, they would find it impossible to come to a conclusion without anything. We have voluntarily agreed to let an invisible government sift the data and high spot the outstanding issues so that our field of choice shall be narrowed to practical proportions. We have voluntarily agreed to let an invisible government sift the data and high spot the outstanding issue so that our field of choice shall be narrowed to practical proportions. Did you voluntarily agree to that? If by voluntarily agree, you mean that we haven't started rioting and killing people, then yes. We voluntarily agreed. <clears throat> it's tough because... I mean, you got to ask yourself the question, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know what's happening? Because you can that information will not be denied to you. If you search for it, you can find it. But once you know it, you can't unknow it. It's a look, it's an honest question. Do you really want to know what's happening? 
I hope you choose yes. I mean, I understand if you don't want to. I understand if you want to throw the blinders on and say, look, I can take care of myself or, you know what, I can't worry about that. I can worry about my family. I get it. Like, I think like that sometimes as well. But on some level, if you don't do it, then who will? At least on some level. You have to influence the people around you to do the right thing. Right? If... If, if I can help somebody younger than me who's going to be in a position of authority later in life, I'm ethically and morally obligated to do that. Even if I get super pissed at those people, if I get super mad at someone, rather than flying off the handle and just using your ability to lecture or using your ability to make people feel like shit, you know, that's not why you have the ability. Your ability should be to point out to that person like, okay, I see why you're doing this. Let me tell you why it's wrong to do that in the long run. Let me explain to you that, you know, what was explained to me and that what I want to, I try to, I try to give back this point because it was taught to me and it fundamentally changed the way I think. And that is, what you do sometimes, you do all the time. You know, when I was younger, I, <clears throat> I learned at an early age, you know, I, I, the first fight I got into, I was like in, I don't know, fourth grade. And this kid just beat the hell out of me. You know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big guy. And, uh, <clears throat> I never forget my, my, uh, you know, we go to the principal's office, I get the referral and my dad has to come pick me up. My dad's like, what happened? I'm like, I got in a fight. You know what my dad said? Did you win? I'm like, nope. And that was it. For a while. My dad taught me to rest. My my dad did some cool shit. But initially, that was his answer. And I go home. Talk to my mom. What happened? Same question. What happened, George? Oh, I got in a fight. My mom knows I didn't win. She's got like a black eye. You know what I mean? Like my mom, my mom knows. But here's what, here's my mom's advice. She goes, you know what, George? You are a very intelligent little boy. And you are younger than everybody in your school. You should, you should be, a, you shouldn't be in that grade. You should be one grade lower. And so you have an issue where you cannot fight boys that are bigger than you you need to learn how to fight with your words and if you can't learn to fight with your words then you probably deserve to get beat up so from now on George I want you to learn how to outthink people I want you to use your words to win the wars you want and I never forgot that I never forgot it. it. It was just like this aha moment. And the reason I went to that story is because what you do sometimes, you do all the time. And if you get really good at arguing, if you get really good at using these logical fallacies or whatever technique it is that you use to win 
in your daily argumentation, it becomes a habit. If you become really good at finding people's weak points and exploiting those, that may help you in the workplace. It may help you in society, but it doesn't help you in your relationships. It doesn't make you a good husband. It doesn't make you a good father. In fact, it does the opposite of that. So you have to be really, really careful in your relationships, all of them. And as a young man, as a young woman, it's so hard to find your way. It's so hard to be a mentor. It's so hard to be in a position where you want to help people, but the people don't want your help. It's so hard to be in that authority position where one person's telling you to do this, another person's telling you to do that. And it's easier to just dictate to people, hey, do this because of that. And the person talks back to you and then you just crush them because you know something about them that can hurt them. See, it's effective, but it's wrong. Because that strategy bleeds into your relationships at home. And all of a sudden you use that technique with your wife. You use it with your kids. Next thing you know, you're divorced. Your kid hates you. Because you've relied on the strategy to belittle people. You've relied on a strategy of success in the workplace that doesn't translate to the home place. And it's it's hard to not use a strategy that works. You must consciously think about the strategies you're using, especially in any sort of verbal environment. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And so, for guys my age, you know, getting back to the passing of the torch of power, it's important to me to take, to take the people that are going to be leading the show next and show them a different point of view. And I have faith in the younger generation that they will see that Or at least it is my illusion that they will truly understand that the path of history led us to where we are today. Right? So you don't want to go back to normal. Going back to normal means going back to the same problems we had. We're currently at a juncture. Going, to nor- going back to normal would be like turning around and going back. We've got to blaze a new trail. Hey, guess what? That pathway was... It got us here. This is a fucking shitty place. Some parts of it are awesome. Some parts of the trail were cool. But the path that got us here... If we went back on that path, it would lead us backwards. So... It's important that if you're in a position where you can help people younger than you see things different, you're obligated to. Don't be a dick to the younger kids trying to run shit. They're trying. Don't commit the mistakes that people committed to you. I know guys my age that They got burned by people older than them. Let's not repeat that cycle. 
And if we don't repeat that cycle, if we help the people that are going to be in positions of authority, if we help out the younger generation, then I believe we're shaping them to help out the people under them. It's important that we... Some people see things the way they are and say why. We should see things the way they've never been and say why not. I love you guys, damn it. And I'm going to continue banging the drum of social engineering so that we can use these tools to socially engineer a better environment instead of socially engineering an environment for a small number of people to succeed. Again, I love you guys. Aloha. Happy Thursday. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.